And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a great weekend. Um, a ton of stuff to get to, as always, today. Um, and I have to do kind of a shorter episode today, so I'm going to try to get to as much as I possibly can in a short amount of time. First, I want to remind you guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod, and please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. That helps us move up the iTunes charts and all of that good stuff. So, all right. Well, hey, first, guys, uh, happy, <clears throat> happy St. Paddy's Day. Uh, yesterday, obviously, was St. Patrick's Day. Uh, hopefully, you guys had a good one. Hopefully your your livers are doing okay uh, today, um, you know, and hopefully you didn't embarrass yourself uh, in front of your friends and family or anything like that. I actually had a chill St. Paddy's Day uh, this year. Me and my wife just went over to my parents' house and uh, ate a whole bunch of food and drank a whole bunch of whiskey and stuff and hung out with uh, uh, my parents and their friends, which seems pretty lame, you know, for 30-year-olds to... Uh, a pretty lame way for 30-year-olds to spend St. Patrick's Day, but... Hey, uh, you know, food was good and, and, you know, it actually wasn't lame. My parents' friends are actually pretty cool. So, um, yeah, that's, yeah, it was low key, man. It, it was a very chill St. Patrick's Day, but, uh, you know, anyway, hopefully you guys had a good one. Speaking of St. Patrick's Day, uh, oh my gosh, this isn't important news or anything, but I, I, I'd be remiss if I, if I didn't touch on this before we dive into some deeper stuff. I don't know if, uh, you guys saw this, but, uh, the GOP, uh, tweeted yesterday <laughs> something that I thought was absolutely hilarious. Uh, they tweeted a joke making fun of our favorite uh, Irish former Democratic uh, congressman slash 2020 presidential candidate, Beto O'Rourke, uh, saying, uh, you know, happy St. Patrick's Day and had a picture. Uh, it had Beto's mugshot for when he that he had that DUI uh, in, in hit and run where he fled the, the scene of the crime and everything. Anyway, it's a, you know, a message from, uh, noted Irishman Beto O'Rourke, you know, please drink responsibly. And it had Beto's mugshot with like a green hat on and everyone lost their damn minds. Everybody was outraged over this, you know, people, and I'm talking conservatives, like conservatives were saying, Oh, this is racist. You know, the GOP is saying that, you know, all Irishmen are drunks or something like that. It, this is, it's, you know, Oh, it's in bad taste, but I'm like, what? I sat back. I'm like, are you kidding? I, I thought it was hilarious. Like I retweeted it. Like I didn't, I, I didn't find any problem with this at all. It was clearly just a joke making fun of Beto O'Rourke. The joke was not that all Irishmen drink. The joke was that Beto is Irish and he's pretending to be Mexican. Like that is the joke. <laughs> it's, that's it. Like you don't have to think too hard about this. It's just making fun of Beto O'Rourke. One for getting a DUI and fleeing the scene of the crime, and two, for pretending to be Hispanic when he's literally the most Irish person on the face of the earth. And look, I am Irish. I'm I'm almost all Irish. There's a little bit of German, but I, I'm I'm majority Irish. I'm proud of my Irish heritage. You know, bo- both of both sides of my family came from Ireland in the late eighteen hundreds. I, I realize there has been anti Irish bigotry in this country. I know, you know, the Irish weren't even considered white until, you know, at least the mid 
1900s. They were kind of considered a, a, an, an other, a minority, you know. Um, they it, it wasn't just blacks that were discriminated against in this country. It was, you know, the Irish were as well. The Italians were as well. I get that. I, I know. Like, we didn't have an Irish president until JFK in 1960, and there's a lot of anti-Irish propaganda, you know, around his candidacy and stuff like that. I, I understand that the Irish have been discriminated against. This was not discriminatory. discriminatory. This was not bigoted. It wasn't even a joke about Irish people drinking a lot, which Irish people do drink a lot. Trust me, I'm Irish. <laughs> I know my family, right? But look, that this is the le- the left does this. We're not supposed to do this. We're not supposed to be offended by everything all the time. That's the leftist playbook. Guys, conservatives, stop. Not everything's offensive. This was not offensive. It, it, the GOP was making fun of Beto O'Rourke for calling himself Beto instead of his real name, which is Robert Francis O'Rourke. It's just making fun of a guy who's pretending to be Mexican when he's really Irish. That's it. It was a funny joke. Everybody just relax. Can we calm down? I've noticed this a lot lately, like, you know, especially in like the kind of the never Trump side of the conservative movement. A lot of conservatives are falling into the the leftist trap of being offended by everything, being perpetually offended by everything. Stop. Do not infect the conservative movement with that kind of nonsense, please. We're allowed to make fun of Beto for pretending he's not really Irish. My gosh. It drives me crazy when the right plays into the left's playbook. All right, let, let's move on. Um, the left is all aboard the ban guns train once again. Um, the left really, they never miss an opportunity to try to take away your guns, um, even if there's a shooting in another country. So I, I believe this was Thursday. Thursday, I believe. There was a horrible, a horrible shooting in uh, Christchurch, New Zealand. Um, a racist, white supremacist uh, gunman uh, attacked two different mosques. Um, and, and open fire, uh, uh, killing, I believe, the death toll is up to 50 um, now. He killed 50 Muslims who were, were praying peacefully at two mosques, mosques in Christchurch. Um, a horrific, horrible, evil, satanic um, attack. Obviously, the, these people were innocent. They weren't radical Muslims or anything like that, um, and they were gunned down by this madman. Obviously, I'm not going to say his name on the podcast because I don't do that. Um, I... I, I I wish the media would adopt this this policy. You know, I'm following the lead of, of companies like The Blaze and, and The Daily Wire and, and a lot of other new media on both sides where, where, you know, we all refuse to say the the shooter's name when after there's a mass shooting because that's what they want. They want to be famous. They want notoriety, and I don't believe in giving that to them. But the left, obviously, is extremely predictable and right on cue. Um, you know, guns are the problem. We need to take away guns. You see people attacking the NRA. Um, which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, the N in NRA stands for uh, National. They are the National Rifle Association. Um, they don't really operate in New Zealand. They they are all about protecting the Second Amendment here in the United States, and New Zealand does not have a Second Amendment. Uh, New Zealand actually has extremely restrictive gun laws. So, yeah, this, this really doesn't make any sense. But, you know, as predictable as they are, the left goes goes after guns. And then they also just go after Western civilization in general, saying that Islamophobia is why this madman went to kill Muslims and that, you know, the, the West is Islamophobic and America is Islamophobic and Donald Trump is Islamophobic. Really, I mean, they, they, they try to tie... President Trump to this shooting, which I mean, the mental gymnastics to get from point A to point B 
are incredible. The president of the United States is responsible for a madman in New Zealand shooting Muslims, apparently. And this is absolutely insane. And I'm not going to read this this shooter. He left a, a very lengthy manifesto, too, explaining why he did this. He straight up says that he's trying to sow division in the West. <laughs> like he's trying to start a race war in the West. And our friends over at the New York Times and CNN, etc., are more than happy to help this evil madman accomplish that goal. So now it's, you know, you can't criticize Islam at all. You can't even criticize radical Islam. And when you criticize radical Islam, that's what, you know, radicalizes these white supremacists or whatever to try to kill Muslims or something like that. You see people saying, oh, you know, we shouldn't have called out uh, Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib for their anti-Semitism. Because if you call out a Muslim, that'll make people want to kill Muslims. What? Like, how do you get from point A to point B here? Okay, a madman shoots Muslims in New Zealand, and it's the Second Amendment's fault, and it's Western civilization's fault. Like, does anybody actually believe that America is this anti-Muslim country? Like, have they ever been to my hometown in Toledo, Ohio? There's like 20 mosques in in Toledo, Ohio. There's Muslims everywhere. I I went to school with Muslims. I'm friends with Muslims. I've had Muslim co-workers. I've had, you know, you go to the store, and you're buying products from Muslims. You get in an Uber, and... Your Uber driver might be a Muslim. I mean, like, we get along with Muslims fine in this country. This isn't like a Islamophobic country where everybody's just waiting for their chance to slaughter Muslims or something like that. That's absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely insane. But, of course, they go to America's bad, Donald Trump is bad, the West is Islamophobic, and we need to ban guns because this madman started shooting Muslims in Christchurch, New Zealand. The, the mental gymnastics is just astounding and disgusting. And then this this rush from people on the left to basically say that we, we can't, no one can criticize Islam at all. I, I, look, if you guys have listened to this show for very long, you know that I have some major problems with Islam. I don't believe that all religions are created equal. Okay, if Most, not all, but the vast, overwhelming majority of religiously motivated killings across the world are perpetrated by radical Muslims. That's just a fact. Last year, it's something like 80 or 85,000 people were killed in 2017 by radical Muslims. I mean, how many people were killed by radical Hindus or <laughs> radical Buddhists? They're just not out there, you know, planting bombs and, and going on killing sprees. You know, it's, it's very interesting. Look, and I'm not diminishing. This story out of Christchurch, New Zealand, is an absolute tragedy. And we're all united in, in saying that. Like, this should have gotten the, the media attention and it it got because it's well deserved i mean these people were innocent they weren't radicals or anything they were praying they were literally minding their own business praying and this madman comes and and starts killing them we should all be united against evil like that and we are but let me mention some other things that have happened in the last week there was a muslim terrorist attack in the netherlands hamas started firing rockets at tel aviv again uh, luckily in tel aviv no one was killed actually their their rocket defense system it's called the iron dome uh, their missile shield uh, worked perfectly and shot the rockets down. But yeah, Hamas is attacking Israel again. And in Nigeria in the last month, radical Muslims have slaughtered over 120 Christians. 120. Almost two and a half times as many as the body count in, in New Zealand. Let me ask you guys a question. Have you heard about that? Have you seen that? Has the New York Times covered it? How about MSNBC? Radical Muslims in Nigeria slaughtered 120 Christians in the last couple weeks in Nigeria. And nobody cares. If if 
you know, radical Nigerian Christians slaughtered 120 Muslims, I, I think we would have heard about it. That would be the front page of every newspaper. That would be the leading story on every cable news program. But because it's Christians getting killed, nobody cares. Really. I mean, th- this is it's, it's an absolute joke. And that's not the only thing that the Democrats have set their sights on uh, this week. Um, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, uh, gave a press conference, I believe, on, was it, I believe it was Friday, yeah, it was, it was last Friday, where she said it's very important that we lower the voting age to 16. Yep, that, th- I guess this is a new priority for the Democratic Party, lowering the voting age to 16 years old. Look, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, and I absolutely stand by it. We should raise the voting age. We should absolutely raise the voting age to at least 21. I'd be fine with 21. Honestly, I'd be okay with 25. If we raise the voting age to 25, I'd be perfectly happy with that. Your prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain that gives you decision-making skills, is not fully developed until you're 25 years old. We already have millions of Americans with underdeveloped brains, literally underdeveloped brains, voting. <laughs> okay. We do not need more. We do not need mo- millions more Americans with even less developed brains and prefrontal cortexes deciding who, you know, rules the country. This is absolutely insane. 16-year-olds are absolutely retarded. I mean, they're literally retarded because they have underdeveloped brains. But they're just they're just What what were you doing when you were 16? What were you doing when you were 16? Should you have been voting? Should you have been choosing who becomes president of the United States? Probably not. I'm sure there's a few geniuses out there. You know, there's 16-year-olds that graduate high school earlier, and they're in college by 16 or whatever, and there's, you know, kids that will start a business by age 16. I was a complete dumbass at 16. All I cared about was playing in the band, which I, you know, still do, so maybe I haven't matured. Maybe, hey, maybe we should raise it to 40 or something. I don't know. But, uh... All I cared about was playing shows with the band. All I cared about was using the fact that I was the singer and guitar player. Actually, no, I was just a, I was a lead guitar player in a band at 16. I wasn't a singer yet. But I was very focused on using the fact that I was in a band to get free drinks at bars. So there was that. And I was very focused on driving out to the country and drag racing against my friends who <laughs> used to drive out to Delta, which is just in a country town outside of Toledo, and we would drag race each other. None of us even had fast cars. I had a 1990 Plymouth Laser. Remember those things? <laughs> it was a, like a light blue 1990 Plymouth Laser, two-liter engine. <laughs> you know, not very fast. But it was it was a fun little car. Yeah, we used to you know drag race each other and bet like a couple dollars on it, something like that. Yeah, sixteen. I was just like focused on trying to figure out how to get a girlfriend for the first time at sixteen. You know, like it's just look. I I don't know. This is absolutely insane. Nancy Pelosi is an absolute idiot. Thank God this is never going to happen. But the Democratic Party are just exposing themselves for the radicals that they are, and they're not really hiding the ball. I mean, they, obviously, it's all about votes. They, they know if they lowered the age of, of voting to 16, they'd never lose an election because 16-year-olds are idiots and they're susceptible to propaganda. You know, like, look, 30-year-olds are... Look, 16-year-old me, way more susceptible to propaganda than 30-year-old me. I'm very skeptical now. If somebody's trying to propagandize me, I'm going to tell them to go to hell because I'm I'm 
too smart to be you know roped in by leftist nonsense. Sixteen year old me, I, I would kind of believe whatever people told me. You know, if my parents told me something, if my friends told me something, I would probably just go along with it. And that's what this is all about. And they've also set their sights on the Electoral College. This comes up every few years uh, that the Democrats want to get rid of the Electoral College, basically so we can all be slaves to New York and California. Obviously, they would never get the support um, to pass a constitutional amendment uh, banning the Electoral College. But that's what these people are. This is what the Democrats are. They want to get rid of the Electoral College. They want to take away your guns. They want 16-year-olds to vote so they can vote away your freedoms. These people are just radical monsters. They really, really are. Changing gears here uh, for a second, I want to bring up a really, really great article um, written today by my good friend Jeremy Frankel over at uh, dailywire.com titled, Govern as a Conservative and You Will Be Successful. Um, And he highlights one of the most popular governors uh, in the entire country, and that is Ron DeSantis of Florida. He was just elected uh, last November. Um, And Jeremy points out, according to a Quinnipiac poll uh, conducted between March 6th and 11th, that Governor DeSantis has overwhelmingly positive approval numbers in the state of Florida. Uh, Over, uh, let's see... Overall, he has an approval rating of 59% versus only a 17% disapproval, which is that. Look, this isn't Texas. I mean, Greg, Ag- Greg Abbott of Texas, um, uh, uh, Bevan down in Kentucky, uh, a, lot, a lot of these you know, deep red state governors have very high approval ratings. But Florida's a swing state, man. Ron DeSantis only won by 0.04% of the vote, he won by 33,000 votes. Over Andrew Gillum, it was a razor thin election. Okay, I mean he 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 didn't even get fifty percent of the of the the popular vote. He got something like forty nine percent, and Gillum got forty eight. Okay, like for for him to have a fifty nine percent approval rating and only seventeen percent saying they disapprove is absolutely amazing. Democrats approve of Governor DeSantis by a margin of forty two percent to twenty eight percent. 42% of Democrats approve, only 28% disapprove. This is this is profound. I mean, every every governor, everybody running a governor's race or a, any statewide race across the country should be calling DeSantis's team, calling his office and saying, "Dude, how do we replicate this? How do we do this?" Here's another stat. Hispanics approve of Governor DeSantis by a margin of 48% to 39%. I mean that that's that's I mean that that's huge on a a couple different levels. One, y- y- to win Florida, you need the Hispanic vote, and he obviously does very well with Hispanics, which will probably help uh, President Trump's reelection effort uh, in 2020. But also, it shoots the narrative right in the head that says that you know all Hispanics vote Democrat, and that you know more immigration is going to prove that. Uh, with demographic changes that, you know, the Democratic Party will become invincible or something like that. That's just not true. Like, if you if you do what you said you're going to do, if you keep your campaign promises, Greg Abbott in Texas, you see uh, a lot of similar statistics um, among Hispanics, at, not to this extent, um, but, you know, very promising numbers in Texas as well. You can become popular with minorities as a Republican as long as you keep your campaign promises and do what you said you were going to do. Governor DeSantis went after Common Core. He fired Scott Israel, 
the uh, the former sheriff of uh, Broward County, obviously partially responsible for that horrible uh, tragedy down there last year. He's cracked down on sanctuary cities. He's deregulated the economy of Florida, and the economy in Florida is doing absolutely tremendous right now. The economic numbers are outstanding all across the state of Florida. He's governing, as, as Jeremy points out, everybody go to dailywire.com and check out um, this piece by Jeremy Frankel. He, he did a great job, as always. But he points out most Republican governors, and well, I mean, most Republican politicians in general, obviously, it is... Hell, just look at Congress. But most Republicans run as a conservative and then they govern as a moderate. Some would even say they govern left of center most of the time. You look at John Kasich, for example, my former governor. Campaigned as a constitutional conservative, gets in office, expands Medicare and Medicaid. <laughs> you know, like it's, yeah, just a lot of a lot of Republicans campaign as a conservative. They govern as a leftist or a centrist, maybe a center-right kind of guy. But DeSantis has been a true conservative his whole career. He was a member of the House Freedom Caucus. His voting record in Congress was extremely conservative. He ran as a conservative, and he is governing as a conservative. He's doing exactly what he said he was going to do. And the approval numbers, he's, he's being praised by, by people on both sides of the aisle for doing exactly what he said he was, going to, he was going to do. And I hope a lot of Republican politicians look at what Ron DeSantis has done his first several months in office, his first few months in office, and try to replicate that. Just do your job. Do what you said you were going to do. If you ran on cutting taxes, cut taxes. If you ran on limiting abortion, limit abortion. If you ran on gutting Common Core, gut Common Core. If you said you were going to eliminate sanctuary cities, do it. Republicans are so afraid, they think if they actually govern like a conservative, they're going to get a backlash from everyone, right? Like from the center-right, center-left, they're not going to like it. I guess that can happen. I mean, we've seen it happen occasionally, but a swing state, a purple state like Florida, is rewarding Governor DeSantis for being an honest politician and fulfilling his campaign promises. More of that, please. I'll order a double of that, please. (laughs) Every day of the week and twice on Sunday. That's all I got for today. I will do a much longer episode on Wednesday. I will be joined by uh, Emily Zanotti is actually coming back on the show. She's a senior editor over at The Daily Wire. Um, So that'll be a lot of fun. I always enjoy talking to her. Um, So I'll see you on Wednesday. I'm Brady Leonard. No gimmicks. (laughs) 